What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito back with episode 41 of the Gino Spirito podcast. I hope you all having a great Wednesday, June 16th. Um, you know, coming at you live today at 2.20 in the afternoon. I just got done with work for the week, so that is nice. I am watching the Padres-Rockies game currently. It is 5-7, bottom of the fifth. Rockies are up, looking for the sweep on the Padres, which is just disgusting. Um, but we'll get into more of that later. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, everything else uh, that I mentioned in the last podcast still, uh, you know, going through um, in, in regards to my birthday, in regards to, um, you know, just the various things that are coming up um, for me and my family, so very excited, very much looking forward to uh, being able to celebrate with all of them, being able to uh, see some friends and and family that I haven't gotten to see uh, in a while uh, due to COVID, of course, and finally kind of having that first little um, event at my my house uh, with everybody um, since everything really uh, got locked down and um, you know, kind of prevented all of us from seeing each other in the first place. So I'm really much, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, um, getting to spend some time with, uh, everybody that I haven't seen in a while. Um, so much to talk about. Um, and it'll definitely be interesting to see how, it, uh, just being in a social situation, uh, will be, uh, when it comes to, um, you know, just a family event. I feel like, it's just been such a long time, and I know it won't be awkward once, you know, you get to see your family, but I, I'm sure a lot of other people are feeling that same way of just like, holy shit, I haven't, I haven't really done this in a while, um, you know, with, with besides, you know, the my immediate family, or if you've been able to uh, still go to work and kind of see your coworkers, but uh, being in that, uh, you know, kind of party gathering and kind of having those uh, conversations um, it should be interesting to uh, see how it all pans out, um, but I have no doubt that it'll be a lot of fun, especially for my 21st and uh, getting to go out after with all my friends and um, my girlfriend. It, it's going to be such a good time, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. So if anybody else is celebrating their 21st or has any birthdays coming up, um, you know, just know that your birthday is in the best month of the year of June. Um, you know, we're we're... We're just the cool people around here, so, um, you know, I don't make the rules, but that's just how it is, so if anybody else is celebrating a birthday, I wish you a happy birthday. I'm very excited to celebrate my own, Um, but without further ado, there's so much, so much basketball and baseball news that came out in the past couple of days, uh, along with some music uh, news that I am just very much looking forward to talking about, so without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, Let's talk about how Drake... Uh, dropped thank me later not 10 but 11 years ago today that's just mm, that's crazy to me I mean this was definitely um the first Drake project that I truly listened to front to back um I did uh get the entire album because I heard over um on the radio um, and I was just like, you know, who the hell is this dude? Uh, that was my first ever Drake song, Over. Um, and then I heard, what was the other track on here that was always, 
oh yeah, Find Your Love, of course, was always on the radio as well. Um, so I, I truly believe those two tracks um, were the reasons why I started listening to Drake. And then when, back in the old days when I was younger and I had my little iPod shuffle uh, that didn't even have a screen on it. It, it was just a shuffle. Um, I would always, you know, go to my dad and ask him to help me put on song, put songs on the, the shuffle. And I remember I, I wanted to get um, over. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. My work chat is just completely, completely blowing up right now. Um, but like I said, this was definitely uh, the that first album that I truly did get to listen to all the way through because uh, when my dad was putting those songs on, I just decided to get the entire um, album instead of just those, those, uh, I think it was just over at first. And then I, you know, I, what's it called? Find Your Love obviously was blowing up just as much. So um, being able to listen to it front to back, I, I think I realized um, that, that's the perfect way to listen to music, at least when you're, you know, listening uh, on those first couple of listens uh, to a project. Why not listen to it front to back um, and really make sure you, uh, you know, take everything the artist was trying to present to you and uh, really make sure, excuse me, really make sure, you know, you don't you don't miss any tracks, obviously over and you know, find your love, um, maybe, maybe miss me with Lil Wayne. Those are probably the three biggest tracks on here that a lot of people would just know, um, whether it's from the radio, whether it's from, you know, just being one of the bigger songs on the projects. But whenever I, when I, when I've first thought about it, uh, when I decided to purchase this album, I always remember, uh, my dad, asking me, you know, do you just want these songs or do you want to listen to the entire album? And uh, he told me that, you know, that's that's the he's the one that told me, you know, that's the best way to listen to music is, you know, you might like this one specific song or this one song might be blowing up. But, um, you know, you got to remember that the entire album, the artist put the same amount of effort into each of the tracks. Obviously, you know, every track isn't going to be uh, you know, the best track we've ever heard or, you know, the best track on a project as, you know, we just know every every album has those songs that just, um, you know, hit differently and really speak to the masses. And then there's those other album filler tracks that, you know, just aren't, uh, you know, that crazy, but that doesn't necessarily mean they, it isn't good music. Uh, so, when I, you know, kind of put that into perspective, I think that's truly what, um, you know, pushed me to listen to this entire uh, project from Tabak. And it really was that first project that I ever had done that. Um, and I mean, to this day, I will always um, prefer to listen to an album from front to back if it's the first listen. And honestly, um, the first few listens, I mean, you don't really... You can't really interpret uh, which which tracks are the best uh, just from shuffling around, in my opinion. I feel like you got to listen to the entire body of work, um, you know, the way the artist presented it. He didn't just, uh, you know, he or she didn't just put it on, um, you know, a CD and, oh, these are the, you know, however many songs I want to I want to put out. Uh, and this is just the order that 
<laughs> just so happened to be, um, you know, the order that I downloaded it or exported it. Like, no, like these artists put plenty of time and effort into the track listing and, uh, you know, how the album flows as a whole. Like, that's a huge thing when it comes to music and uh, those albums that we still continuously talk to, talk about to this day, like those are the best albums that do that. Um, so, you know, I didn't mean to go on a, a, a you know a little a little tangent, but I, I I really you know I really believe that if you don't listen to an album front to back, no shuffling, just playing the music how the artist presented it. That first listen at the very least is very crucial to. Um, you know, how you sh should be interpreting that music. And uh, you just have to realize that the artist put it on there the way they intended you to listen to it. So I will always thank Thank Me Later by Drake for kind of teaching me that and showing me that, um, you know, regardless of what the hits are, you, you might find some gems in there that will never, ever make it to the mainstream media or on the radio, but it will always be your favorite track on there, and that's the most important thing with music at the end of the day. So, yeah, Thank Me Later. Of course, this was Drake's debut studio album, like I said, released June 15, 2010, so 11 years ago. Uh, and uh, this is, of course, uh, following his So Far Gone mixtape, and, um, you know, that mixtape basically built the hype for his his first, you know, big studio album um, that this project was, it debuted at number one, sold 447,000 copies, which is just phenomenal for a debut uh, album. Um, but of course, Drake had a lot of uh, hype built around this uh, because of himself, because of So Far Gone and the success that that project saw, um, along with, of course, Young Money and being behind Lil Wayne and being co-partners with Nikki. Uh, obviously, a lot of people by this point knew who Drake was and knew that he was going to be releasing his debut studio album. And, uh, you know, it just played into the success that the the um, album had. But this is one of those few um, albums that you'll really see, uh, you know, Drake uh, just, I mean, he, he's, he's just putting together, uh, he, he really was just doing his thing on here. He wasn't doing too much. He wasn't really trying to, you know, step out of uh, the lane that he knew he um, already created for himself. And he just stuck to what was going to work. And that, I mean, can go a long way. You know, sometimes artists overcompensate. Uh, they think they should be doing a lot more um, than they are. And they start to, you know, try different things or lean away uh from the things that got them there in the first place, especially on a debut um, album like this was and getting big name features for the first time to kind of push that, like Alicia Keys. Of course, Nicki like, was already, you know, his running mate on Young Money, so I'm sure that Nicki feature was going to happen regardless. But you got Alicia Keys on here. You got Swizz Beats, T.I. Uh, you got Jeezy, you got Jay-Z. Like, this is, this is your... This is your first debut album, and you got names like that on there. I mean, um, you know, just let yourself, uh, 
you know, off of with a little break and kind of just stick to what you're, you know, you're best at, like I said, and, and allow for the shots to, you know, just organically be created and not uh, necessarily be forced from you trying to do too much. And like I said, that's exactly what Drake did on here. Um, and you know, a lot of these, a lot of these songs are still being bumped and in the rotation for me personally, like I said, if you, if you listen to albums front to back, you're always going to find those gems on here. And I feel like the resistance track three on this will be a top five Drake song for me, uh, probably until, you know, the end of time, the resistance is one of Drake's best tracks in my eyes, some, you know, some people may have never heard it because they've never listened to this entire project. Um, but that track, um, very much, you know, like I said, could could be, you know, one of those big songs. But sometimes you just don't see that mass appeal towards it. But uh, some other tracks on here, of course, uh, that are great as well. Over probably the biggest track on here besides Find Your Love. Um you know, up all night might be one of Nicki Minaj's best features. Fancy is always was always cool bumping in the car when I was, you know, in middle school and in high school. And just, you know, that's that's like I said, Drake just letting Swizz Beats and T.I. do their thing. And then he he brings his own flow and his own uh, swag to it, but not overcompensating for the fact that he has two guys on there that um, have been in the game for a long time also doing their thing. So. Uh, you know, shut it down. That's Drake. You know, more on some, more on some singing, uh, singing Drake. Uh, and then Unforgettable is pretty good. Light Up with Jay is just an amazing track. Miss Me with Lil Wayne is another amazing track. Uh, CC's Interlude is is pretty solid. Find Your Love, of course. And then you know, Thank Me Now, and 9 A.M. in Dallas. Uh, so, you know, what an you know what a what a uh, first album debut album from drake i mean uh you know if you were to uh you know tell drake back then um you know in 2010 the artist that he'd become and uh the run that he'd be on when it when by the time we got to 2021 i i honestly if you were to tell anybody that was uh you know really bumping drake back then i, I don't really know if you'd be that surprised. Like there was just something about Drake that everybody, everybody knew was there. Everybody wanted to listen to Drake. Everybody, um, you know, could feel, uh, just, you know, just how good this man was on the mic. And like I said, never, never really doing too much and always kind of just sticking to what, uh, he does best on, on everything really. And I think that's exactly why, you're able to see why he's the artist of the decade, why he's been on this huge run that he has been. Um, and, uh, you know, what Certified Lover Boy will continue to be. So very excited for Drake to drop. Uh, very nice reminiscing on Thank Me Now. And, uh, I mean, just that mindset of listening to albums the way I started with that project, I feel like that's kind of what pushed me to, you know, view, view music as a whole you know, more as an art instead of, you know, just music and really pushed me to think outside the bots and, you know, start doing stuff like a podcast and start talking more uh, in regards to what albums, you know, truly mean and the deeper meaning behind uh, some of your favorite tracks. So uh, I think I'll always, I, I think I'll always thank, thank me now for that and kind of 
instilling that into my brain. Um, it was just, it was, it was truly that first project that, that really um, set it over the edge. And I'll always remember um, I, I, the, what's it called? The song over. Um, I always remember that being bumped uh, in my friend Christian's car all the time. And uh, his dad uh, really going through the lyrics with us one time. I think that was another thing like, you know, do you guys even know what he's saying? Like, that's the point of, of music is really being able to interpret what the artist is saying and, uh, you know, maybe apply that to their life, maybe apply it to your own, maybe apply it to the overall picture of, you know, just the world. Um, and I think when we were, when we went through that as well, that's also another thing, you know, that, that really, um, you know, showed me that music isn't, isn't just something that you put on in the background and 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 just have on to to have on of course there are mute there is music that is for that but um a lot of the time these artists there's a reason they're making it there's a message that's behind it and uh you know it's it's just great it's it's awesome i love i love music to death and i i feel like i preach that every day um and i'm very excited that you know you all you all fucked with it as well so um, Drake, thank me now. If you've never listened to his debut album, highly, highly, highly suggest you do. I think you'd be surprised uh, just how good this man was back then. Um, and I think you'll be able to see uh, just, you know, how easy it was um, at the time for people that were already listening to Drake to, to already know that this man was going to be something special. But um, in more mu music news... Tyler, the freaking creator, released his lead single for uh, Call Me If You Get Lost. I, I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that that's going to be the album or the album title at this point. It's It's been everywhere um, on these uh, – it's been everywhere on these um, various uh, billboards, on these various um, – what's it called? Um voicemails that are on the the phone number when you call it uh in the video that he released on monday and also in the video that he released today with his lead single ended with call me if you get lost so uh the lead single was called lumberjack uh it looks like it'll be track number five um but you can go ahead and already bump that on spotify and apple music some people were saying that they saw a release date of June 21st um, on uh, Apple Music, and then it was quickly taken away. Uh, the only thing about June 21st is it is a Monday, and a lot of artists uh, tend to not drop on Mondays. I mean, I'd say 95% of artists, uh, I mean, I'd say like 95 to 99% of artists drop on Fridays. Um, you know, and I don't really see why, um, that trend would stop anytime soon. Um, so I guess, you know, unless Tyler has a plan and he wants to drop on Monday, um, I guess, you know, he did drop this lead single on a Wednesday, you know, in the middle of the day, I think it was at 10 AM this morning. So he did drop this lead single pretty abruptly. Um, so, I mean, are we going to get the album this Friday? Are we going to get the album next Friday? Are we going to get the album Monday? Who knows? But that June 21st was being thrown around, but it's still good to see that, I mean, Tyler did release a track. It is available. Um, and there was a music video and everything. So this, this rollout is very, very real. Um, and I, I think we're going to be, I think we, uh, I mean, 
truthfully, I think we'll be getting a Tyler, the Creator album by the end of June. Um, and I mean, who the hell would not uh, be happy with that? Um, another artist that will be releasing a single uh, this Friday, and hopefully we get their project very soon uh, following the single, will be Vince Staples. I mean, we haven't heard of him. Uh, we haven't heard from Vince Staples since his 2020 project, uh, FM. And uh, I mean, it's been a while. Uh, I saw Vince in Pomona. I want to say it was um, actually FN was in 2019. Um, I let me let me double check. Vin, FM Vince release date. Let me see. Let me look this up. Oh my goodness, it was the end of 2018, so I'm completely off. Uh, yeah, because Vince, I don't think Vince has dropped anything since this FM. If I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm just, yeah. Um, obviously, the big, the big uh, album that everybody knows about with Vince Staples is Summertime 06. Um, of course, there's been quite a few EPs that have followed. I mean, this first EP that was before Summertime 06, Hell Can Wait, is great. Um, Prima Donna followed Summertime 06. That's a very good project. And then we had, uh, you know, some short-length short albums in Big Fish Theory and FM. Um, and I think that's kind of been what Vince has always followed, except for Summertime. Summertime 06 was a full-length project, but a lot of his other... Um, a lot of his other projects, uh, we've seen constantly uh, kind of be low, lower in terms of uh, track length and album length as an entire whole. Um, so we'll see if uh, we'll see if that's the same um, when it comes to uh, you know this new project. Uh, looks like his single will be titled "Law of the Avengers," or, or not "Law of the Avengers," "Law of Averages." Um, like I said, this will be dropping. Um, June 18th this Friday so very excited for that very excited to see what Vince um, will be bringing to the table um, I, I'm always looking forward to a Vince Staples project like I said I did see him um, now that I remember it was 2019 um, and it was in Pomona I will always remember this concert because my old car uh, it was a Saturn. It was a 2002 Saturn. That was my very first car. I now have a Ford Escape um, that has air conditioning uh, for, or an AC first and foremost. So that's all I really cared about with my next car is I said, if my second car has AC, I do not care what what brand, what model, what color. I just, I just need some AC in my car. Um, but my first car was a Saturn. And uh, the way you locked the car, because there wasn't a button, you would have to press so when you were inside the driver's seat uh you'd have there was a lock and unlock button and when you got out of the car with the driver's door open you would push that lock button and the car would start to you know make a little beeping noise just notifying you that you did push the lock button and then as soon as that driver door closes all four doors lock so that was the way you locked the car and the way you would unlock the car obviously was you take the key and you know go into the driver's door and unlock it with the key since there was no button and uh you know that led to some mistakes on my part uh, i always remember i was a little late to the vince staples concert because i did have a meeting that night i just decided that i was still gonna go to vince i was still gonna make his set i if i didn't make a you know one of the 
but I didn't make one of the um, you know opening at sets. I, I wasn't really going to be that pressed about it. Um, I was really just buying a ticket to see Vince. I was very excited for that. And um, so when I got there, I found parking. It was in Pomona, so it, there wasn't really a parking structure around. You kind of just had to find some street parking, get lucky. Um, so I did. I was in a rush, like I said, and I opened my car door instantly. At this point, I'd had my car for quite a while, so it, it kind of just become a habit of mine to, you know, just press that lock button right away, make sure I am locking the car. And uh, I was changing my shirt as I was doing so, and I forgot that my keys were in my car. So I had this moment of, you know, after I closed the door and realized I locked my keys in there, um, I had this moment of I could either call uh, right now um, and try to figure this out right now, or I can go into the concert, have a good time, and then deal with this after. And I ended up doing that. I ended up running in. I got in there. I was able to peep the merch. I got a shirt that was super cool. Still have it. Still rocked it to this day. Um, and by the time I was standing, because there was like a bout, it was like a, it was like a mini, it was like a little, you know, stage. And then there was definitely a floor. And then you could go to the left side and go up a balcony. And I was on the balcony. I had pretty nice, pretty nice view of the stage and just everything. I, I saw there was really nobody on the balcony and it wasn't like you needed a VIP to get up there. So I just decided to get up there because there was, a, there was, Probably close to a thousand people, not a thousand, maybe, uh, I mean, those venues are so hard to tell, especially when it's just all, you know, all uh, floor seating. So I don't quite remember how much people were there, but there was enough for me to just kind of realize that I was, you know, just too late to the concert. If I was going to be standing, I kind of wanted to be closer to Vince. And I just felt like if I got up to that balcony, I'd one, have a great view. And um, I just wouldn't really have to be worried about being next to a lot of people in the back. You know what I mean? So not not really being able to see over people. I'm not the tallest guy in the world. Um, so I just felt like that'd be a better and more comfortable experience for me. So I got up to the balcony. Vince performed his set. He had a mat tribute at the end of it. That was really cool. And then... After the concert, I, you know, drove to my car and I mean, I drove, I, I walked over to my car and I called AAA and, and got that all taken care of. It was, it was pretty simple, honestly. It wasn't, it didn't take as long as I expected. I didn't know if there was, you know, maybe somebody like already dispatched in the area, but I feel like right after the concert calling them and uh, by the time I was already back on the road, it was probably like 30 minutes. So it wasn't too bad, but I always remember that I'm very, like I said, I'm, I'm, um, always down for new Vince Staples music. I've, I've been a fan for a while now. Um, I, I think that um, he's another one of those artists that, uh, you know, are, are really just respected by a lot of people within the industry, within, um, you know, rap and hip hop, but uh, they don't necessarily drop, um, you know, as much as, um, you know, maybe they should. Um, they don't really uh, get that recognition like a Drake, a Kendrick, a Travis, um, you know, just because one, they don't drop as much. And two, um, it's it's kind of just they're, they're just not as well known and not really as established as some of these other artists are. But 
that doesn't really discredit um, the fact that when they drop, it is it is heat. It is very much, um, you know, going to be played on that night. So very excited uh, for this one. And I hope you all are as well. If you haven't listened to any Vince Staples projects, I would highly, highly, highly recommend you listen to um, Summertime 06. Uh, that's probably his best album in my eyes. Um, it's it's a full-length project. Uh, you know, album, two two sides, 20 tracks, so 10 tracks on each. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of good songs on there. And that's basically the the album that really, um, you know, made me become a huge Vince Staples fan and kind of just listened to his entire discography after that. So, uh, you know, very, very excited for that. But um, in some Travis news, as uh, I was just mentioning, he actually um, – he actually – well, uh, already yesterday, he got honored um, at the 72nd annual Parsons Benefit uh, that was hosted by the New School um, in New York City. He got um, honored. Uh, this uh, Parsons Benefit uh, honors people that are visionary figures in either fashion, technology, um, any of the arts, really. Uh, and they also embody the uh, commitment to creativity, innovation, inclusivity um you know they're recognized by their various contributions to design uh entrepreneurship the arts like i mentioned um social justice sustainability so it looks like you know a lot of a lot of people i mean not a lot of people a lot of uh you know descriptions that uh you you see people always mentioning travis and you know a lot of a lot of things that uh you know, you can definitely put Travis Scott in the category of, and you can instantly tell why uh, the man was, um, you know, honored and, uh, you know, I guess uh, presented at this uh, Parsons benefit. I've never heard of it. I never, um, you know, knew what it was, but I mean, it's the 72nd annual one and uh, it seems like a pretty big deal. So I, I thought that was really cool. Um, Travis about it. He said, I'm very excited to be receiving this honor from the new school and grateful to be a part of this great this great group of innovators. I've always tried to fuse fashion, technology, and the arts into everything I do. These are all linked and a natural extension of my work. It has never been about specific brands or labels for me. It's about the vision. It's about making your own thing, seeing what's out there, and never compromising. So I thought that that was... Uh, a great quote by Travis. Uh, like I said, he's definitely fitting this category of creativity, innovation, um, you know, design, entrepreneurship, sustainability. You've seen Travis come out and definitely speak on social justice and, uh, you know, donate to people. Uh, you know, he, he had, I'm pretty sure, I don't know how many scholarships he sent out through the Cactus Jack Fund, but a lot of a lot of great things happening in Houston because of the Cactus Chat Fund, like providing food for the homeless and, uh, you know, just for uh, various, um, you know, holidays, always providing people um, and making sure that they're feeling loved regardless of if they, you know, if they're struggling at the moment. Uh, but that I thought that was a that was a great um, recognition by Trav. He. Um, will only be the only he was the only musician that uh was among uh the seven recipients of uh this year's um award ceremony um so i i was i, I thought that was really cool i wanted to touch on that and um 
I, I just, yeah, I'm just proud of Trav. I, I think he's come a long way, and I think he's only he's only pushing himself to continue to do more and more. So it, it's cool to see him get recognized by, you know, more than just you know music awards or, um, you know, whatever the case may be. This this seems uh, like a like a much bigger uh, scale than than just uh, simply him being recognized as an artist who or somebody who makes music. It, instead, he's, it's more of you know, somebody that's just an innovator and is extremely creative and, and really touches a lot of fields. So it's cool to see for him. But moving on into some baseball news, like I said, there have been plenty of storylines that have come out in the past several days. I think first and foremost, the biggest storyline, MLB officially on Monday sent out a foreign substance memo uh, that in large had two parts. Um, pitchers are responsible um, for uh, their quote-unquote foreign substance usage. Um, even if their teammates load the balls up, they're always uh, responsible. Um, and teams can't replace suspended players uh, if they are getting if they do get caught uh, for those ten-game penalties that uh, the MLB is enforcing. Um, the official memo states, although the foreign substance prohibitions uh, do not apply exclusively to pitchers, the pitcher ultimately will be responsible for any ball that is delivered with a foreign substance on it. If a player other than the pitcher is found to have applied a foreign substance to a baseball example, the catcher applies uh, a foreign substance instead um, of before he throws it back to the pitcher, both the position player and the pitcher will be ejected automatically and suspended. And then, like I said, clubs may not be able to replace uh, on the roster a player who is suspended for any on-field violations. Um, this is huge news, as, of course, this has been a huge, huge issue um, that has um, a lot of people, um, you know, talking for uh, – has had a lot of people talking um, about for several years, I feel like, in large to do Trevor Bauer coming out and – kind of uh, using his YouTube platform to really speak on this issue. Um, you also have, um, you know, guys uh, that have been consistently, um, you know, accused or, um, you know, said to be using such substances. Um, uh, and, of course, this memo uh, coming out had a lot of MLB pitchers, um, you know, pretty furious, pretty mad. Um, some, uh, like the likes of Tampa Bay's ace, Tyler Glasnow, of course, one of the best pitchers in the MLB, um, at the moment, um, yesterday, unfortunately, uh, the Rays did announce that he has a partially torn, um, ligament, uh, that's, I don't, ulnar, ulnar collateral ligament and a Fletzer tendon strain. Uh, I believe it's, you know, in his elbow, of course, his throwing arm, uh, the, that was the first report. You know, the Tampa Bay came out and said that that was what's going on. Uh, their plan is to just rehab the injury, avoid Tommy John, um, and then eventually return. Uh, of course, that sucks uh, regardless of, you know, oh, oh, he avoided the injury. and or I mean, he avoided surgery, and he should be fine. He's only placed in the 10-day I.O. But, I mean, this man has been balling. This man has really been phenomenal this year for the Rays, who are in first of that AL East um, and I mean, that's just a huge blow. And yesterday, uh, Glasnow, 
uh, had the chance to um, be interviewed and speak on what happened. And uh, I mean, he 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 spoke in the most honest way he possibly could, as a lot of pitchers have been coming out and simply saying that you know it. There's no secret that sunscreen and rosin is uh, definitely the you know. The I want to say the choice of the the common choice between pitchers, but there's a lot of you know other substances that are supposedly also being used by pitchers as well. So that's I think where the problem has been. Um, but somebody like Tyler Glasnow who come out and said I am truly t- I'm telling you I truly believe that's why I got hurt. I'm frustrated that they don't understand pitchers need to be able to have some control and grip on the ball. Um, I just threw 80-something innings, and you just told me I can't use anything. I have to change everything. I truly believe 100% that's why I got hurt. I'm frustrated that the MLB doesn't understand. Um, And, you know, a lot of people may be saying, well, he's coming out and admitting the fact that he has been cheating and, uh, you know, he wants us to feel bad for him, but... Um, in my eyes, I, I really think that uh, both sides are in the wrong here. I feel like this has been an issue um, that simply hasn't been addressed for a long time, um, except when pitchers are so obvious um, in regards to, you know, they have some pine tar on their neck. You know, there was that one Yankee pitcher I remember who was so obvious. It was just smeared all over him or, you know, some, some pitchers having it all over their hat. Uh, you know, when it comes to to be that obvious, I think that's where the issue was before. And that's where, um, you know, we would see umpires kind of finally, you know, say something or do something about it. But except for those cases, you know, there's not a lot of times um, where umpires would even give a shit. And I think that's why you've seen a huge rebel from a guy like Trevor Bauer. I think he was really just bringing light to the issue and and uh you know kind of stating the fact that uh you know this is never ever checked and there are pictures that we've seen spin rate has just completely increased to a level that it shouldn't even like how how did they increase their pitching rate that much like over you know the course of a season over the course of an off season whatever it may be um so I think it's a combination of the MLB never, ever doing anything and now cracking down so hard because that, you know, of course, it's good that the MLB is cracking down, but you have to find a balance between those players that simply are using, you know, some sunscreen and rosin to get a better grip on the ball because I've never been a pitcher before in my entire life, but... Um, I think the common trend that we're seeing right now when pitchers are speaking out about it is that the MLB baseball is just completely different than any other baseball that is used, whether it's in the minor leagues, whether it's in, you know, college ball, whether it's in, you know, some other, um, you know, international uh, leagues as well. It's just completely different. It's really hard to get a grip on. And that's why you, you know, see these pitchers having to use shit like that um so i think the problem is the mlb has never addressed that they've always let this slide but now you're going to start punishing players that are simply using sunscreen and rosin you know something that 
isn't spider tat. They're not using something absolutely crazy. That's where, you know, the issue is. Those players that are using uh, shit that is for and shit that should not be in the game. That's that's exactly where the issue is. And unfortunately, those players that, um, you know, they're just trying to get a better grip on the ball, like Tyler Glasnow said. And now, um, you know, they're not able to get that same grip. And they're going to have to change shit up. And you see um, Shane Bieber go on the I.L. You see Matt Scherzer go on the I.L. You see Tyler Glasnow go on the I.L. And I, I would not be surprised if we see plenty of other pitchers have to go on the I.L. And, like, it, it's just frustrating because... Um, of course, you know, the MLB has always been uh, pretty lackadaisical when it comes to punishing players, when it comes to changing things, always wanting to stick to, um, you know, the basics and not really wanting to, uh, you know, change everything like I had said. But, um, you know, now you're now you're starting to, you know, get into a territory where you're basically saying that, you know, we're going to punish anything that players are using, but you're not really getting the entire point that is trying to be, you know, I guess pushed. Like, if you want, you know, there to be nothing used, you got to state that early on. And I think that, you know, in the middle of a season when you already knew, like, as much as the MLB wants to be oblivious to this shit, like, you already knew that however many pitchers are using at least sunscreen and rosin because your ball fucking sucks. So it's like, why are you now in the middle of the season going to act like, oh, yeah, like we're just going to we're going to really start enforcing this because it has been such a big deal. It's like you guys haven't even, you know, you guys haven't even addressed this like it's a thing until now and the first thing you decide to do is start handing out 10 game suspensions to guys that are simply just trying to get a better grip on the ball and not the guys that you're really trying to get after those guys that are using spider chat those guys that are using some you know uh created um you know whatever it may be i know that there's a lot of i know trevor bauer supposedly has his own thing that he's created over the years with his team I know he's really into that science stuff and trying to get a better spin rate. And um, I don't know if anything he's using is illegal, but I fully I believe that there are a lot of people that are simply just trying to get a better grip on the ball. And then there is like that fine line of like very few players that are, um, you know, in retrospect, using illegal substances and those are the guys you want to go after you don't want to go after those guys that are just trying to pitch as good as they can and have control over a ball and you know not want to hit the batters i i think that's why batters haven't had an issue with it um but you know when you start to see the significant uh increases in spin rate i think that's where batters start to say something that's why this issue has just blown more and more and more up and it basically put the MLB in no in no real uh compromise you know it was either they 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 crack down or they're gonna have to continue to just go with what they're doing and I think that's why we see uh what we have you know like unfortunately um it just came at a really bad time instead of the off season it, it, it was just being addressed so so much I don't know if it had to do with 
Trevor Bauer finally being in such a national media market like L.A. and or if, uh, you know, the 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 cameras being able to, you know, really pick that up and, uh, you know, just the, the the power of social media, really, and how big this story has just really come to um, come to be. I, like I said, I think my final final stance on this is there are players that need to be punished for this, no doubt. But when you're talking about guys that are simply using things to help them get a better grip on the ball and still not have a completely unfair advantage, you know, you don't want pitchers to just start hitting the shit out of batters because they have no control of the ball. Um, but instead, it's like you want there to be an even playing field. I feel like, you know, in the off season when you have plenty of time to think and strategize, that's the time to truly come up with the perfect solution for what pitchers can use, what's legal, what's illegal, how are you going to check that, how are you going to make sure that they're using the right substances. But instead, the MLB, like always, continues to kind of just work whenever they want to work and just like, nah, you know what? Let's just crack down right now. And I believe that White Sox pitchers, uh, White Sox pitcher Carlos Rodon had a perfect um, you know, quote about this. He says, you're giving out 10 game suspensions for cheating, but you gave the Astros no suspensions at all. You can't suspend the team that you actually knew was cheating during a playoff game, but you're hit giving 10 game suspensions out for pitchers supposedly using foreign substances. I felt like that was the perfect quote. I felt like that's exactly, um, you know, just the way that we've continued to see the MLB operate. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of, uh, you know, shit that's pushed under the rug and then the stuff that's not pushed under the rug, um, you know, somehow hurts the, the, you know, the player or the team that has been following the rules, has been um, pretty solid throughout the course of everything. So it's unfortunate to see. It really is. But, um, you know, I, I guess we'll see if more pitchers speak out. I believe if there's a lot more injuries, the MLB's going to have to do something if they want to not lose their fans. Um, but more importantly, they don't want to lose, you know, the players and the the, uh, the players association and really, uh, you know, wanting to uh, possibly go on strike if, if anything doesn't get changed by uh, – I don't want I don't want to say the players are going strike in the middle of the season, but I think if you're really going to address this in the middle of the season, um, you're going to have to have a – pretty well thought out plan um for the repercussions of it you know if if more pitchers start speaking out if more pitchers start getting hurt it's gonna be on your watch it's gonna be because you decided to implement this in the middle of the season when like tyler glasnow said pitchers have gotten used to it it's not like they got used to cheating they just got used to pitching with a certain grip and now you're asking them or you're telling them basically that if you don't pitch without that grip, you're going to get suspended. So what are they going to do? They're going to have to switch it up. And that could lead to injuries, unfortunately. And we've already seen a huge increase in injuries in general in baseball this year. So a lot to unpack in that one. I feel like this is just the very tip of the iceberg. I feel like this is going to continue to be talked about, continue to be analyzed about about what truly is the right thing moving forward for baseball, for pitching, um, you know, I think that this is not something that the MLB, like I said, came out, said their piece, and they're going to go back in. I think this is something that is going to be 
talked about throughout this entire season, and I believe that there's going to have to be some type of solution um, when it comes to the offseason, or else there, there, there might be, uh, you know, a lot of players frustrated, and there might be some um, very, very harsh criticisms towards the commissioner like there already is. So very interested to see what that, what, uh, you know, all happens with that. Um, and on top of that, Ryan Speeder, an MLB analyst, uh, a statistician, a very, very um, credible um, analyst in, in the field in Major League Baseball, came out today and had an entire Twitter thread about various teams who have been cheating throughout the years. He said, I've had enough. I think I'm coming out with everything. Um, everything that I'm about to say is verified by more one, more than one player. I do not mean to burn anyone, and I love baseball. I've just had enough of this bullshit. He talks about how the Royals were the first team with a full analytics and video department close by their dugout, and they did this in their 2015 World Series championship year. What a coincidence. The Yankees had cameras in left, center, and right, all pointing at the pitcher's glove rather than the catcher. And to pick, and that was, of course, to pick up his drip. That was in 2017-2018 season. Aaron Judge at home, batting 312, 440, and a 725 OPS on the road. Only batting at 256, 404, and then a 531 OPS. Coincidence? I don't know. The Dodgers had an employee who was caught setting up cameras at Minute Maid Park wearing an MLB polo shirt when he should have been wearing a Dodgers polo during the 2017 World Series. Um, you know, as insane as that, this also sounds Andre Beltre had a buddy with binoculars and dead center who would weave a beater like an undershirt beater. If he was getting something off speed in 2017, and that's why at home 362 batting average, 586 OPS away, 271, 489. I mean, and then the Astros, are you kidding me? Like there are just so many, th if the baseball if the MLB really wants to dive right into this, if MLB really wants to start cracking down on cheating, this is not the only thing that you guys have been completely shoving under the rock, uh, the rug the past several years, several years. There are so many other instances that have simply not been talked about. There have been no punishments. There have been no repercussions. And why do you think that players keep doing shit? Why do you think that there's still things that are coming out? I really think the power of social media has helped this wave transpire of, you know, people coming out and speaking out about why it's super unfair or why they believe, you know, um, this needs to be tracked down. But at the same time, it's hurting the average player um, that is just trying to get that grip or is simply just trying to not hit a fucking batter because they have no control over the pitch. You know, there's, there's just guys that really need to be seriously investigated instead of just, you know, deciding that you simply want to, um, you know, put a 10 game ban on guys that get caught in general. Like what the fuck does that even mean? Like, it's just stupid, and it's the same fucking shit over and over with MLB. So we'll see if there's any changes. Um, but like I said, I don't think this is going to be something that is uh, treading lightly for the MLB. And I think there is going to be an entire 
domino effect with all of those things that I just mentioned from that MLB analyst um, and a lot other things that simply have not been addressed over the years. If you're going to start cracking down on pitchers, pitchers are going to start cracking down on batters and the way that batters and teams have been cheating throughout the years and then boom what are you going to do then what are you going to are you going to just install another fucking stupid ban it's it's just it's a lot of bullshit that have that has happened over and over and over again in baseball and that will be finally deciding to take a stand is good it's really good i'm not opposed to it but when you take a stand and make it worse than the team that won a fucking world series and it was proven time and time again how fucking much they were cheating to win that world series and you just let them off with a little pat on the fucking back it's not gonna go well it's not gonna go well that's exactly how you turn people off from the game that's exactly how you get new players not wanting to fucking play the game that's exactly how you get the entire league against you so you know that's my rant i'm you know very excited to see what happens moving forward i hope it's great i hope it's helps the game but at the same time i'm very much looking forward to how a lot of these other things are just exposed and how a lot of teams are simply going to be under the microscope that much more and it might bring way to a lot of the other issues that have been happening throughout the course of however long it may be so um you know moving past that of course let's get into some padres news um, when I talked on Monday, I was very excited about this Rocky series. I felt like, you know, coming off a of victory in New York, perfect time to get a three-game sweep, get a two-game, uh, you know, get at least two or three in uh, Colorado before you come back home, full-capacity Petco. And what did the Padres do? They decided to shit the bed on me. And on Monday, they allow Kevin Gomber to go eight, eight shutout innings. Eight shutout innings against this Padres team. And then, of course, you know, Trent Grisham decides to homer in the last and make it a 3-2 to two ball game, but still not enough. But, I mean, Aaron Gomber, eight innings, three fucking hits. Only four strikeouts, too? Only four. The Padres have literally just turned into a ground ball machine. I don't know what the hell is going on. But, I mean, Colorado able to take game one. Um, this is a game where we saw Denelson Lament only go four innings, allowed four hits, or one earned, two watts, three Ks, had not really that much control um, of anything. And then Ryan Weathers went three, allowed three hits, you know, a run. Um, and then Miguel Diaz was able to uh, come in in the last, but, you know, that home run um, that Miguel Diaz, um, you know, hit, or not hit, he allowed in that uh, final eighth inning was kind of the dagger because if Trent hits that two-run home run and that home run doesn't happen in the eighth, it's a 2-2 ball game. So that's just the way the Padres have been fucking losing lately, and it's just so frustrating because it's just like one or two mistakes throughout the course of the game that causes the entire game to go to shit. Um, and we're continuing to see that trend against a Rockies team. So, I mean... And then in game two, perfect start. How could you not want a better start than a Tatis two-run home run in the first, two more runs in the second, you have your ace and you Darvish on the mound, and then you let the Rockies score two runs in the fourth, two runs in the sixth, two runs in the seventh, and two runs in the eighth, and not 
do anything about it and lose the game 8-4. to four. Allow the Rockies, the Colorado Rockies, 12 hits. You know, is our bullpen that tired? Is you like is is this substance thing like really gonna? I don't know. Be a big deal. Like is is guys like you Darvish and you know like these other guys on our team, Joe Musgrove, Blake Snell. I'm I'm interested to see how our pitchers do because like I said, there's no secret that I believe every pitcher, every average pitcher is at least using you know, at least sunscreen. And there's, I just don't find there being any big deal with that. It comes with the sticky stuff. It, it comes with the sticky tack and, I mean, the spider tack and all that shit. But, you know, what the hell was this game? Four to eight when you we were up four nothing on these fucking Rockies in the second and destroying no runs after that? It was just such a frustrating game yesterday. Um, so the Padres did drop the first two. Currently... Um, I do have the game on. It is six to seven Rockies in the top of the ninth inning. Manny Machado's up to bat with runners on first and second with no outs. So we'll see if the Padres are able to pull off a game today, get a W, move on, um, and finally have a full capacity Peco for the first time in like six hundred days. Um, I I would hope that that is enough for motivation wise for these players i mean the giants had their win of the year last night they hit a you know a grand slam bomb in the bottom of the eighth inning to take the lead against the diamond bats nine to eight a diamond bats team that had all the momentum throughout were leading seven to nothing um haven't won a road a road game in general in 21 games and for the giants to come back the way they did what a, that was probably the victory of the year the Dodgers also hit a go-ahead home run in the the seventh inning. It was like a solo shot by Mookie Betts to take the lead four to three. So I mean, the standings right now, as we we're saying, Giants forty-two and twenty-five. The Dodgers a game behind, forty-one and twenty-six, and the Padres five games back from the Giants at thirty-eight and thirty-one. So you know, hopefully we can see a W today. Hopefully, um, you know, with Petco in full. Full roar, full um, energy, uh, you know, give the boys some momentum. I mean, Dodger Stadium and Giants, the Giants Oracle Park were just ridiculous last night. And I feel like that's also why those were huge wins for the team. And that's why their their morale is just on a ridiculous level at the moment. Um, but when it comes to, you know, the Padres, they haven't really gotten that yet. They're literally a day away from it. So I hope... You know, if, if we get swept by the Rockies, that's a fucking humongous low of the season. But I just hope that Petco being full capacity is enough motivation for um, some of these dudes to just pick it the fuck up. Because this shit's just getting ridiculous. So I really hope the Padres are able to um, to get it done. I, I really do. I'm always going to support the boys. But, you know, sometimes some tough love is, is exactly where you got to put them and Put yourself to make yourself just feel sane. The Padres just have not been getting it done. It's just as simple as that. There's way too much talent on this roster to be hitting the way they are, to be as lots of days cool um, as the way they have been. And, yeah, it's just frustrating to watch. And I, I really hope some shit changes because, um, you know, we have such a good team and there's so much potential. And I, I would really just hope um, that it does not get wasted because of some bullshit. So, uh, very interested to see, uh, like I said, 
um, how that'll all play out um, at Petco. Um, but when it comes to the NBA, on Monday night, we saw two games happen. Um, of course, the Utah and Clippers series. Um, Clippers coming into it down 2-1. And boom, they get a they get a big victory at home. 118-104. They're able to eliminate uh, any Jazz hopes of um, taking a 3-1 series lead. Headed back to Utah. Um but we're able to see Kawhi Leonard and Paul George each score 31 in this one. Um, Mark Markeith Morris also 20. Uh, I mean, yeah, 24 six rebounds, um, and uh, those were I mean the leading scores. Nobody else had double digits for the Clippers, but it was already already enough. Um, on the other side of the ball, Donovan Mitchell 37 points, um, and then. Three of their other starters finished with double digits. Uh, Donovan Mitchell um, has scored 30-plus points in six straight games, which now ties Carl Malone for the longest streak in Jazz postseason history. So, um, And it's also the fourth longest streak by a player under 25 years old in NBA history. So still some positive tape from the Utah from for Utah, um, but unfortunately still not enough as Paul George and Kawhi Leonard Fifth duo since um, 1976 uh, to score 30 points each in bat-to-bat playoff games, um, but unfortunately, some new. Uh, I will get into the unfortunate news in a little bit. But the other game on Monday um, that saw the 76ers have a chance to take a 3-1 series lead, headed back to Philadelphia, saw it go the opposite way yet again as Atlanta was able to get. A big game four win against the Sixers, one hundred three to one hundred. Um, I mean, Trey Trey Young in this one, uh, twenty five points, eighteen assists, man, eighteen assists, ridiculous. Bogdanovich with twenty two. All the other starters finished with ten plus. Um, and I mean, on the other side of the ball, uh, just not enough. Um, offensively from Joel Embiid. He finished with, I think he was like 0 for 9 in the fourth quarter, was completely um, non-existent. But, I mean, still with a great st- – I mean, 17 points, yeah, it needs to be higher, but 21 rebounds, completely tro- controlling uh, the the rim. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that the 76ers um, lost this one because they, ha- they had a lot of good contributors. Tobias Harris, like I said, Definitely the ads factor for the 76ers right now. Still finished with 20 points. Um, and, you know, Seth Curry, 7 for 10 from the field, 3 for 6 from 3, 17 points. But Sixers not able to get it done. Trey Young and the Hawks able to tie the series up, get a game in Atlanta, and head back to Philadelphia. Um, tie it up and, you know, hopefully with, uh, you know, some, some momentum as uh, they'll try to – Try to get, um, you know, a game in Philadelphia for game five. I, I, it's going to be tough, especially if Philly comes out with the energy. But the Hawks the have proven yet in, time and time again in these playoffs that they are not afraid of the moment, uh, that they, you know, are ready um, to go no matter who the opponent is in front of them. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see if, uh, we'll see if that, uh, you know, happens and the Hawks are able to take it but uh Tuesday night's game however a much different story 
as the Nets, who did win games one and two, were going into game five now in a tied series as Milwaukee were able to take games three and four. Um, and this game was all Milwaukee in the first in the first half. I mean, 29 to 15 after quarter one, 59 to 47 after uh, halftime. At one point in quarter in in the third quarter, they were leading by 17, and then Kevin Durant happened. I mean, do I? If you did not watch this one, uh, you missed probably the best playoff performance I have ever seen in my entire life. Kevin Durant. All 48 minutes played. Uh, he's the first player to ever play all 48 minutes um, in a playoff game since LeBron in 2018. But, I mean, he made every single moment count as he joined um, Luka, Charles Barkley, and Oscar Robinson to as the only people to have a 40-point, 15-assist, and 10-rebound playoff game. Um or no, actually, fifteen rebounds, ten assists, playoff game. Um, as KD in this one finished with forty nine points, seventeen rebounds, ten assists. Like I said, he played every minute, got the win, came, fought back, down seventeen, fought back, was able to um, secure the dub at home without Kyrie Irving, with James Harden playing 46 minutes and still going only 1 for 10 from the field, 0 for 8 from 3. Did have 8 assists, though. Did have 6 rebounds, but still, James Harden had no impact on the game. Kyrie Irving was non-existent. Uh, this was the game that Kevin Durant needed to take over. A lot of people were saying this is a legacy game somehow, and, I mean, yet again, Kevin Durant shut everybody up. I mean... The first player in NBA postseason history with 45 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists in a game. Uh, he had 30 points in a playoff half for only the second time in his career. Uh, he's the first Nets player with 30 points in the half um, in the last 25 postseason. So a lot of a lot of records broken. He shot 69.6% from the field. 69.6, and he also shot the that was also 30. That was also the third highest field goal percentage in a 40-point triple-double uh, in playoff history. The 49 points was the second most in a triple-double in playoff history. So a lot to be proud of um, when it comes to Kevin Durant. He had the highest game score in a playoff of all time. He had a 50.4. The best that was before that was Michael Jordan's best in a playoff game, which was 49.8. So um, after the game, Giannis had some great praise for KD. He said he's the best player in the world right now. Um, and I think that's the biggest storyline when it comes to what happens um, in this game and what transpired was the fact that Giannis was not guarding KD. You know, the, the, the defensive player of the year last year, uh, somebody who prides himself on the defensive end supposedly, simply did not take on the challenge at all. And... Uh, it's, you know, did not work out in their favor as uh, KD completely dominated them. And Giannis, after the game, did say he was the best player. And he said he wants to take on the challenge um, in game six. I don't know why that was ever brought up. I don't know why Giannis didn't just straight up say, Coach, I got him. You know, there was never that point. He's just in the corner guarding his own guy, guarding some, you know, Joe Harris or some random fucking person. Um, but also in this game, Jeff Green, 7-for-7 seven seven from the three-point line. 
uh, definitely helped KD out with his phenomenal night. Um, and for game six, uh, James Harden is available to still play, and Kyrie Irving with his ankle will still be out. So we'll see if they are able uh, to, you know, take this one and and uh, move on to the Eastern Conference Finals, or if Milwaukee will be able to force a game seven back in Brooklyn. Um, but now that we've gotten all those scores out of the way, today has been a crazy day for NBA news. I th- first and foremost, CP3, I know the Suns. I think that it helps that the Suns have already moved on to the Western Conference Final, but Chris Paul has now entered the NBA's health and protocol and is out indefinitely um, because of uh, the, I don't know if it's contract tracing. There hasn't really been much report on why he had to, uh, but this is jeopardizing his availability for the Western Conference Finals. Like I said, I think it helps that tonight we're seeing game five of a tied 2-2 two to two series, um, and the Jazz and the Clippers might be forced to play game seven if the series continues to go well. So hopefully with some of that time, it'll allow Chris Paul not to miss as much time as he possibly could if, you know, somebody won and sits. But, you know, we'll see if, We'll see if uh, this has any impact on, you know, the Suns and if this is uh, the reason why uh, the Suns won't be able to win. I feel like there's always bad luck when it comes to Chris Paul and, um, you know, the way, uh, you know, his luck has been in past postseasons. I just hope it goes the opposite way for him. I hope he's able to play and I hope the Suns are able to, um, you know, have everybody um, available for a possible finals run. So, unfortunately, Chris Paul has entered the NBA's health and protocols. And, unfortunately, the Los Angeles Clippers announced that Kawhi Leonard has suffered a right knee sprain and would be out in Game 5. That was the first report that came out this morning. So, of course, a huge blow for the Clippers' chances tonight. But, um, on top of that, the Clippers now fear that Kawhi Leonard has possibly suffered a torn ACL in the process and not um, and not just a, a regular knee sprain. So uh, why is this a big deal? I mean, come on. It's Kawhi Leonard. This man has proven time and time again he's a Clippers guy. When the Clippers when the Clippers are going, Kawhi's going. So a huge blow to the Clippers playoff chance. Uh, they, like I said, it's still a fear. He's still going to have to be, uh, you know, tested and, um, we're still going to see if there's any, uh, signs that point towards a torn ACL. Um, but you know, still game five alone, that's, that's a huge blow and it, it'll be very unfortunate if the Clippers are not able to go, um, with Kawhi, their best player. So, um, in other news, Stefan Gundy out as the Pelicans head coach. After only one season, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Vice uh, President of Basketball Operations, David Griffin, um, had been engaged in talks with him for several weeks, but, uh, you know, they didn't uh, come to any agreement as the new the Pelicans did finish with 30, 31 and 41. Very disappointing with the, uh, you know, team that they have and the expectations that are on the team. Um, they fell short of making that play in tournaments, um, and they're expected to, you know, start looking for candidates, um, that include, uh, some women 
include Jason Kidd. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who leads this Pelicans team, Nets. Uh, but another person that will be out is Scott Brooks, as the Wizards and him could not come up with a new agreement on uh, their deal. So uh, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal will now be with a new coach if they both decide to stay. Um, they've uh, just couldn't come to an agreement with Scott Brooks uh, and weren't able to extend his contract. So uh, Brooks, you know, was able to lead Washington to uh, the play-in uh, tournament and also to the playoffs this year after falling 15 games out of uh, 500 uh, to start the year. So pretty remarkable um, to start the year. Um, but unfortunately, we see we – see, and on top of this, there were reports indicating that Luka Doncic – uh, has every intention to sign a Supermats with the Mavericks this summer. Um, but the dysfunctional front office and the team's inability to build a contender could impact his desire to stay. This was instantly, I mean instantly, shot down by Mark Cuban as he quoted this tweet uh, and said, total bullshit. Um, but today, the Mavericks actually came out and uh, said that uh, they have cut ties with Donnie Nelson, um, you know, decided to part ways with him. Uh, I find this very interesting as Mark Cuban, that day that he did come out and instantly shoot it down, he, he also stated that I pay close attention to what Luca says, what the front office says, um, the idea that there's a shadow, uh, um, there, there's a Shadow with the GM is laughable. The idea that anyone but Rick sets rotations is assault, is insulting. So for him to say all of this and then, boom, the GM is fired. I just felt that was kind of interesting. I don't know if it has anything to do with it. It was just finally mutual. But that happened as well. Um, so a lot of dysfunction around the lead right now. A lot of um, just you know, not knowing what the fuck is going to happen uh, when it comes to uh, all of this. Um, but, I mean, plenty of teams going through changes, plenty of teams, uh, you know, switching some shit up and going in different directions. But critical game fives tonight as the Hots and Sixers play at 4.30, the Clippers and Jazz play at 7. Um, but that's all I have for today. I hope you all had a great time listening. I hope you all have a great week, and I will see you all very soon. Thank you very much.